Wanna go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. Oh. <laughs> And welcome to the 4th Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 34 of the big show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How you cats doing out there? Crazy from the heat? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, well, I'm recording this on Saturday afternoon, but still warm as ever here in uh, apparently sunny, sunny Saskatchewan. Uh, which has been good. We've actually had a really hot summer, and uh, if you were a sun worshiper, it's great. Um, you know, I'm not a big, big fan of the heat. You know, fat guys don't like heat. But uh, at the same time, I also realize that in about two months, there'll be snow on the ground for six months. So, uh, shut up. So, uh, you know, but uh, it just, it's just, I don't mind the heat, but it's just, it's tough when you work in it. But, uh, you know, it really zaps you. But, like I said, the uh, we do need a little more more moisture, though. I mean, I wish we could have some more rain. Started off like we were, you know, really hot, hot rain, hot rain, and I know the farmers were loving it. I know talking to a few of them, they were saying this is this has been excellent. But uh, I know the last two months have been pretty dry. So, and I know I have friends out in Penticton, of course, the wildfires and everything going on out there. Um, I really hope you guys are staying safe, and hopefully you guys can get some rain and get that stuff under control. That's scary stuff, and it's so beautiful out there, and I hate to hear. I hate to see the video and, uh, you know, people losing homes in that beautiful area just getting uh, destroyed by fire. That's just terrible. But, uh, you know, and I know um, there's wildfire in California as well. And, I mean, I knew I have some California listeners, so please, I hope everyone's staying safe. And then, of course, with their, I don't even have to bring up everything else that's going on with the craziness. So I hope everybody just stays safe. And uh, I know everybody's, uh, we're anxiously here in Canada anyway with, school going back. I know my wife goes back uh, this week, or two days from now, but uh, students go back in the, after the long weekend, but uh, you know, and that's always, uh, you know, that'll be some tension times, and uh, you know, as we get, you know, into the new rules, and hopefully people can adjust, and uh, you know, we'll go from there, but I mean, it's a tense time, and uh, you know, I know everybody's uh, struggling with it, so hopefully everything works, and uh, you know, we can keep our numbers down, um, you know, crazy times, but uh, but you tuned into a hockey podcast. You didn't tune in to, to listen to the weather and pandemic talk. You get enough of that. So um, I uh, today's episode, of course, today it's Sunday. It's a vault episode, so I, I play one of my old player interviews from my old website. So today's guest will be Mad Max Mittendorf, um, who was I uh, played with Sudbury in the mid-'80s in the OHL, you know, against Probert and all those guys, and uh, shares some stories, as well as uh, drafted by the Quebec Nordiques, and he played with uh, Quebec and uh, Edmonton in the NHL, and, and, of course, bounced around the minors, and uh, he just told some great stories. I always enjoy talking to Max. I talked to him online uh, quite a bit. He's on Twitter and Facebook and everything, um, and uh, always a fun conversation. And... Uh, 
yeah, so I, I, I hope you guys really enjoy it. I'm not going to rant too much today. I mean, I've done a few. I did the question and answer uh, my last episode. I hope everybody went and checked that out. And uh, that's all. That was a lot of fun. That was the first one, the Q, first Q and A I'd ever done. And I mean, I always getting. I'm always getting questions like, "Yeah, I'm just under siege here from the mailbox." Um, but I have, I do get like questions, you know, quite a bit, and on Twitter or whatever. And I should start saving them, and then the way every once in a while, like just kind of throw in the the periodical uh, uh, Q and A type uh, type of show. Um, but uh, no, like I said, this is episode thirty four. So please go back and uh, check out the other thirty three episodes. Like I always say, I, I know there's lots of stuff to listen to. Everybody and their dog is a podcast these days. So the fact you chose to hit play on this one i thank you very much and um and like i said so i always say support local support the little guys i mean spit and chiglets and everything they're all fine and i mean i know they're going to get their i mean they're the most popular hockey podcast for a reason and you know and and that's cool but uh you know for every walmart there's a mom and pop shop too and support them and uh like i said we're all out here fighting for airtime and i think i think a lot of us little guys not all not all because i know there's some yeah, there's some really bad shows out there. Not saying that this is, you know, great, but, oof, you know. Anyway, um, I, I think uh, a, a lot of the smaller shows do an excellent job. Joe at the Coliseum Chronicle, uh, Alec over at Five for Fighting. Um, you know, I'll, I, and I don't mean this arrogantly, but I mean, I'll put up any of my interviews up against anything anybody does. Um, you know, Max's interview right now. I mean, it's in depth. It's fun. We tell stories. Um, yeah. So if that's what you're into, I mean, I think you'll really enjoy this stuff. And, uh, it's not just a 30 minute fluff piece. And, you know, I, I, I think we, you know, you really learn about the, the player and, and get his thoughts on a lot of things. And, you know, if that's what you're into, I think you, you found the right place. And again, Alec and Joe and, and Bobby Longgrass there, I mean, we're, we're all doing our best. And I know Alec just put in numerous hours trying to fix the audio on a Curtis Tidbull interview. And, um, you know, and like I said, we're not getting paid for this. So, I mean, I know it's our, our own choice. No one's forcing us to do this. But I'm just saying, like, I mean... You know, we, we, the efforts put in by, by guys, some, some people know, they mean, you know, whatever, but for, if you care about the product that you're putting out, and, uh, which myself and, and the rest, and the guys that I associate with do, cause I've talked to them behind the scenes, and I know the effort that they put in, the research, and, uh, and the care, um, you know, I, I know what's put into it, and, uh, you know, and I hope you, and I hope you guys decide to listen as well. You know, Terry Ryan here at the podcast and or on the network, and of course we have thirty-one uh, NHL teams all represented here on the network. So whatever team you cheer for, I mean, I'm sure you can find your show. And uh, like I said, uh, you know, I, I understand there's only so much time in the day. Like I said, but uh, you know, try to you know and uh, try to support as best you can. Cause it's it's definitely appreciated and. Uh, and, and, uh, yeah, so, but here, you're here now, and, uh, like I said, I mean, with the last few episodes, I've really ranted and raved, and, of course, last night on Twitter, there was a whole firestorm going on, and I, I keep saying, I'm not going to get into the ranting, I was on Twitter, that's all you need to say, and then you'll get into a rant, but, uh, I said to, uh, a friend of mine, I said, yeah, these clowns on here, I mean, you guys are going to make me defend Milbury, and I don't, and I hate you for it, you know, uh, because Mike Milbury is a clown, without a doubt. And, uh, and I'm like, all the stupid shit and everything he said over the years, 
this this one is the one you decide that we're going to get the pitchforks and torches out for? Uh, you know, I don't know. And I'm, I'm telling you, if mental gymnastics was an event, there's uh, I have the Twitter is a, a a breeding ground for numerous uh, champions. Oh, don't pull something while you're doing this. Oh, unbelievable. Oh, he says he hates women. No, that's not what he said. He talked about women being a distraction. He's talking about rich athletes going out on the town. That's why teams put in curfews. Why do you think that? Because they're not out uh, drinking milk and playing Parcheesi. Like, you fucking morons. Like, what do you think he's talking about? And why are we acting like this? Doesn't this happen every every night at every bar in the world? You clowns. Like, just... Oh, the level of reaching that is going on. Like, I get it. You hate him. And everything else. Hey, so do I. He's a goof. But really? This? This? Oh, God. And then the other girl there puts on some 35-year-old two-minute news clip of Don Cherry talking. Yeah, that's what kind of fella he is, see? Like, no, I don't. Like, and you don't have any idea. That's what, that's, this is the person he is. Really? So let's just discount charity work and all the awareness he's raised for women's hockey and cancer and SPCA and everything else over the years. No, this is right here. This, this, this is it right here. This, see? 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 Like, no. And in the video, he's racist. Really? What does he say? He says Canadian citizens should come first in Canada. That's what he said. I'm letting it sink in. That's my dramatic pause. But that's what he said in the video. He didn't say, fuck everyone else, or they can't come here, blah, blah, blah. He didn't say that. You're in your mental gymnastics. That's what you're reaching at. That's what he said. But that's not what he said. Let's stick to what he said. Yeah, but he meant. No, you don't know what he meant. No one knows what someone else means. No, they only you only think you do because you're trying to make your argument. Let's just stick with what he said. And what he said was, Canadian citizens should come first in Canada. Yes, exactly. Everyone listening and staring at your dashboard right now wondering, really, that's it? Yeah, no, that's it. That's it. But again, so I brought up the, well, got to look at everything else and then, oh, well, you, you could be racist and still give to charity. That's the response I'm getting. Yeah, you can, but again, he didn't say anything racist. That's my point, uh, which clearly went over your head. But again, you're reaching to find this this racism card and everything else, and oh, we got to cancel them. I like the I like I always like the clowns that come back with. Well, I'm glad we the we got him off TV, and he's irrelevant now. Last time I checked, he's got the second highest fucking podcast behind Spit and Chiglets. He has a million followers on Twitter. No, yeah, you showed him there, Hurricane Boy. Fuck yeah! Oh yeah, we oh, okay. Some some clown on his couch with four followers on Twitter somehow thinks he's changing the world. Oh God! But yeah, we oh uh, yeah. Nah, enough of that. I'm actually waiting. I have a phone call coming in here. I'm gonna do an. I'm doing an interview uh, shortly with uh, Drew Pelto, uh, who was a former. Uh, announcer for the Wichita Falls Wildcats of the Junior A League and the North American Hockey League back in the mid-2000s, and he's got some great stories, and I've known Drew since the message board days, and, uh, no, I think it's just be a fun conversation, and, uh, NHL, I don't know much about, like, I mean, I know what it is and everything, and I, there's some big names that have come out of there, um, but, um, I've, I've never had any 
because down in the States, I've never had any interaction with it. I don't know too much about it. So I'm looking forward to talking about Drew and learning some stuff. And like I said, this is episode uh, 34. So please go back and, uh, and listen to the rest of the catalog. And uh, I got some uh, excellent guests on deck. And it uh, should be a lot of fun. But, uh, yeah, let's, you know, let's just get rolling. Let's get into it. But, uh, you know, before we do that, if you guys, while you guys are watching your playoff hockey and, uh, you know, and you're kind of thinking, you know what, I'm really kind of liking this guy, um, I should get a jersey. Well, do I have a deal for you? Coolhockey.com. Been around since 1999. They're NHLPA endorsed. Check it out. They're a sponsor of the network here. And uh, if you go there and you find your jersey, the third jersey, your custom, and you can put whatever name you want on it. You can put God of Thunder 69, Griswold 00, Hardcastle 01. Joe likes the Sexton Hardcastle one. i got to use that Sexton Hardcastle 69. Or whoever, or your favorite player. Hell, if you want to put 87 Crosby on an Islander jersey, Joe would love you. Or Tom 43 Tom Wilson on an Islander jersey. I might send that to, to Joe for Christmas. I don't know if you'd talk to me after that if I did that. <laughs> Joe, I know you I know. <laughs> but no, you can put whatever you want on there, and the numbers are like hand-sewn, and it's got the fight strap. It's the stuff that the dudes are on the ice are wearing. It's legit stuff. I know the diehards don't like the knockoff jerseys, so here's an offer for the real ones. Like I said, I was at the mall. I took a picture of it on my Twitter once, and I put it up. $300 they want for these jerseys. And you only get to choose whatever they have, right? They got Crosby, you know, Eichel, and, and Price. That's it. And a man Matthews. Those are the four jerseys. You get. Other than that, you're screwed. And they want 300 and some bucks for it. Well, I'm giving it to you for almost half that price. So at, so find the jersey you want. Put the number and the name and whatever you want on there. At checkout, type in THPN, the Hockey Podcast Network. THPN, get 30% off free shipping. They're out of Toronto. Like I always say, the the uh, the example I used, I picked the Calgary Flames third jersey, put sixteen McGrattan on it, one eighty five ninety nine Canadian, free shipping, boom, there you go, almost half of the price. Because of course three hundred, that ain't that ain't including tax around here. You know, we add fourteen percent on that bad boy and see what you get. Someone do the math out there pretty quick. Yeah, exactly. And you got to take what they have. So. Uh, yeah, so I, I think that's a pretty good deal. And it helps the network out. I'm not getting any money from this. I'm just saying Isha, Dylan, the boys that are running this whole operation, uh, you know, they get a little cut, they get a little kickback. It helps them with the offset the costs of uh, all the 30-some shows they got going on this outfit here and babysitting all, all us dummies. So, uh, you know, that's, you know, they're, they're, to me there isn't enough money in the world to do that. I couldn't even run my own site, let alone 30-some. So there you go. So it helps the network out, and you guys, and you get a, an authentic jersey for half the price. There you go. What can one more one man give to you? I don't know what I just said there. I'm rambling, and my phone's going off, so I think Drew's ready to roll. But uh, here we go, episode 34. Let's have at her with my guest, Mad Max Mittendorf, and I will talk to you guys on Wednesday. Thanks, guys. All right, here we are in the fourth line voice uh, on the line, all the way out in uh, out in Arizona, my boy. Mad Max Mittendorf. Max, how are you doing tonight? Good. How are you doing? Very good. Well, it's fourth line voice, and uh, like I said on the show here, we always kind of have the tough guys and, uh, you know, the fourth line guys. But, of course, I will say for this, Max was the furthest thing from a fourth line guy when he played. Looking at your, <laughs> looking at your stats, I mean, a point to game player. You are correct. Well, point to game player, drafted in the second round. So, I mean, we're not putting you on the fourth line. But you have some great stories. 
And uh, that's why I wanted to have you on, because, I mean, we've talked on Twitter a lot, and we finally got our schedules to link up here and uh, to do this. And uh, I'm looking forward to this. So are you uh, ready to roll? Yes, I am. Thank you for having me on. I uh, greatly appreciate it. Um, just enjoyed my career and uh, everybody that was involved in it as far as the players. Well, there you go. Yeah, and we're well, and we're going to get to that. The players, maybe some coaches. Well, we'll see how it goes. We'll see where this road takes us. But uh, well, we'll start off. You're um, you're from Syracuse, New York, um, and in eighty four, eighty five, you you begin playing with the Sudbury Wolves in the Ontario Hockey League. How did uh, how did the Yankee boy end up in the Ontario Hockey League? How did that work? Well, um. I hate to correct you. I was born in Syracuse, but yeah. um, I only lived there seven years. And then uh, dad moved the family to Columbus, Ohio for two years, which uh, I actually started playing when I was five in Syracuse. And then uh, when I was seven, I moved to um, Columbus. And then when I was nine, I moved to Jersey, of all places, believe it or not. And... Um, continue playing, and I, what's him called? The only reason, because I come from a huge family. I mean, huge. One of fourteen. Um, I was the fourth boy, actually fifth. The first boy um, passed away when he was a year and a half, but I wasn't even, you know, an itch in my dad's pants at that time, and so I was the fourth boy. And I wanted to be better than them, and we used to fight all the time and whatever, but I wanted to be the best. And it just, my my dad was born in the uh, Depression, and we are raised super tough. Like, you know, you just, like, this is, if you want to be an athlete, like, you just absolutely, like, bust yourself like every practice every game whatever and um i happened to be pretty decent at the time i was 16 and i lit up the we used to go to ottawa during christmas uh every year out of jersey and um i lit it up and there were scouts everywhere, and they were all over me. And uh, just so happened, um, Pat Verbeek's dad was there and said, hey, uh, you know, and started talking to me about Sudbury Wolves or whatever. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. Well, Patty was playing for the Devils at the time, so and I was friends with them. Because I stayed on their farm in the summertime. And um, so Patty says, hey, um, you know, uh, his old man's one of the, uh, uh, I don't know how many owners they had in Sudbury at the time, but his old man uh, was one of the owners and uh, said, hey, if you don't want to go to college, you want to go to the NHL right away, 
this was the best way to go. So he planted the seed in my head and that happened to be the first year the devils, uh, entered the league. It was 1983 and Patty's agent was the biggest agent in the league at the time. Gus Bedali. And Gus came down, watched a couple practices, whatever, and says, hey, I'd love to represent you. And I'm like, okay, because it was during the All-Star break. I said, hey, uh, my best buddy owns, uh, his dad owns a restaurant. He's got a limo. I said, I'll I'll talk to him, see if we can get the limo for the All-Star game. So we went to the All-Star game, and, you know, (laughs) it was like the wide eye unbelievable like oh my god like i'm sitting there talking to gretzky as a 16 year old <laughs> uh messier like everybody at the all-star game and i'm like okay this is the life i want to live yep so uh anyway so i tell um mr verbeek like okay I want to play junior. My mom was freaking out because she wanted me to go to college. And my dad's like, let him do what he wants to do. And my, and you know, my mom freaked out because she, and us is like, okay, you got to think about it. Um, everything was all college, college, college. Yep. Like when I played in the OHL my first year, I think I counted them up to somebody the other day at work. I think there were six U.S. players when I my first year in 1984. So anyway, um, I, I tell Mister Verbeek, "Yeah, I'll, I'll play for your team." And me and my dad go um, fly up there in the summer, and we meet the trainer, and we look at the facilities or whatever. Uh, I was before the draft. And my dad wanted to make sure that everything was going to be okay. And that that's how it went. Like, it was like, I'm like, shit, there's old. Like, I'm going from a town of 17,000 people to a town of 100,000. That was a big step. Yep. Well, you, you, you roll in 84-85s your first season in the OHL with the Sudbury Wolves, rocking them green Cooperalls. And, uh, well, hey, what would you think of them green Cooperalls? Uh, I didn't care for them. They were yeah. polyester. It was just like a sweat factory with them. But let's roll back to the OHL draft. Okay. When uh, <laughs> Funny story. Because I got a call from Terry Crisp, who was, you know, coach of the Sioux. And um, he says, yeah, we really want to pick. Well, okay, Sudbury has the first pick overall. Sioux has the second. So um, he calls and says, hey, yeah, we really want to draft you. I go, well, if... You're not picking me first overall, man. Um, you're probably not going to get me. He goes, what do you mean? I go, well, you have the second pick. He goes, yeah. I go, 
and I'm almost not interested in the OHL. He's like, really? But, of course, I already knew what I was doing. You know, playing cards, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, he calls, and I was with dad, mom, heck, uh, probably three siblings at the draft in Toronto, in the OHL draft. <laughs> and, you know, I first pick, second round, 15th overall. I walk up there, and Crispy, because I got friends with the master, <laughs> Crispy's like, apparently he called the house back in Jersey, because, you know, there's no cell phones or whatever. And my brother, one of my brothers told him, no, he's at uh, a soccer tournament his sister's soccer tournament because my, I had uh, two sisters right below me that were actually pretty good soccer players. So he comes up to me, shakes my hand. He goes, ah, you're at a soccer tournament, eh? And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, ah, I called your house yesterday. <laughs> He's like, said you were at a soccer tournament. Well, there you go. Well, actually, the Sioux wouldn't have been bad. They actually won it that year. Um, yeah, my one of my really good buddies, Derek King, he was the first taken overall, you know, uh, that year, and went on to play 16 years in the NHL. And yeah. yeah, they were good. They had Proby, yep. um, uh, Zettler, um, Oh, that Bukabo played a long time. Jeff Bukabo, uh, yeah, Bukabo, yeah. Uh, not one of my favorites, but but yeah, he, he had a hell of a career though. Well, he did. I would never, ever, ever not say that somebody didn't have a good career like that that played that long. But I just didn't care for. Him. Yep, yep, yep. As as a person. You know, you got farmers. Most of the farmers are unbelievable because that's what, uh, like Patty Verbeek, um, his dad had um, a thousand acres and over five thousand pigs. They're yeah. all farmers. Yep. And they chose to play hockey actually, so they didn't have to work on the farm. Yep. And uh, when they didn't make the playoffs that first year when he was a rookie, I was talking to him. He's like, damn, I got to go back and work on the farm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. And, yep. Uh, my, my first, well, when Quebec moved to Halifax, so that would have been my second year in the AHL, there was a guy on the team, Gerald Bezdell. And he was just praying that we would do a deep playoff run so he didn't have to go back and pick a rock on yep. his family farm. Yeah. You know, it was, it was like, these guys are awesome. You know, hard workers, and but they tried to, you know, to get out of that life. And yep. I'm not saying that's a bad life because my mom's family – on her side was all farmers, and my dad grew up dirt poor on a three-acre hobby farm, 
and I get it. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. It's a hard life, man. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. Yeah. No, my in laws my in laws are farmers. My wife is. So yeah, I mean that was my exposure to it. Yeah, and it's uh, she's tough. Can be really rough sometimes. So yeah, no, those are salt of the earth people for sure. They have a different work ethic than other people. Right. Yeah. Because uh, you have to. Yep. Yep. Well, so you get to so you get to Sudbury eighty four eighty five. Um, actually, a couple of the names. I mean, you guys had a rough year, but you know, your your rookie year. What was your your first year in the Ontario Hockey League? What what was it like when it hit you? Like, uh, I mean, you had sixteen goals, forty four points, hundred pims. I mean, you know, so you got into some tilt, you scored some goals. Overall, what was your uh, impression of the Ontario League? Um, I loved it. It was a shock at first. Like, I literally got kicked out. I started um, first game. We are in Windsor. My dad was in town because uh, he wanted to see me play. And he actually worked for a universal company, UPS. Kind of small, but um, <laughs> that was a joke. Um, and he... Didn't even get in his seat. He was still at the uh, snack bar, uh, and the puck dropped, and they instituted that year instigator penalty, even though I didn't instigate it. Somebody grabbed me, and I'm like, no. Because when I was in camp in Sudbury, my first, like, first shift of camp, I beat the shit out of one rifle. Second shift, I beat the shit out of somebody else who was a veteran. And the captain, Craig Dunkinson, comes down and he goes, um, you're not going to last the camp if you keep this up. Like, you got to, like, like tone it. Well, I can't even remember the words he used because I was going to say chill it out, but that's nowadays terms. But so I'm like, okay. He goes, no, you, you like, you got to, like, Relax. Because I'm a 17-year-old out of Jersey, which there's no Americans, like I said, I believe I counted six that I can remember in the league. And one was uh, Kevin Hatcher, uh, Mike Hartman, um, Mike Wolak, who was a goal scorer in Kitchener, uh, Alan Perry was a goalie in Windsor. Costa Pista actually played with me. We were both rookies. Um, I think that's about it. Yeah. And um, so, you know, somebody is, like, sticking me in whatever. And I thought we were going, and I got kicked out. My first game in the OHL, I got the instigator and all that, and uh, my dad finally, like, I'm out. I'm in the locker room. My dad finally gets to his seat, and he doesn't see me on the bench, so he walks down to the trainer, and he's like, hey, Joe, where's Max? He goes, I already got kicked out. <laughs> so, uh, but the next game... We played in London the next night. I had a goal and assist. 
Well, there so you go. So my dad thought I was I was going to be all right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't have to fight. I didn't. And London was tough back then. Yeah. You still you still yeah. there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. London was tough. I mean, you had the bird dog at Greg Smith on there, and uh, uh, I mean Kevin Evans, and yeah, they were. Uh, yeah, well, I think every team back then, I think the team was pretty stacked. Jim Sandlack, Bob Helkitas. I mean, they were pretty stacked up for sure. And uh, honest to God, I didn't even worry about any of them fighting. I, I, uh, later in the season, I actually beat the shit out of Bird Dog. And, uh, I got suspended for it. And, uh, cause I, like, after I grabbed him and he had his head down, I grabbed him by his long, you know, we all had mullets. And I smashed his head into the glass a couple times and I got two games. <laughs> but I, I think that's what, possibly bothered us yep well and uh just kind of going through the league at that point in 84 85 i mean it's um <clears throat> kind of uh you know the the big name that uh, i mean that everybody listening will know in sault saint marie of course is bob probert do you have any memories yeah. of because of, 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 that was his final yeah. year in the ontario league probably, probably was super honest Yep. And um, I actually uh, got traded to Detroit, and I don't know, in the early, uh, what the hell was it, 91, and uh, went to camp, and I believe it was 92, and uh, Konstantinov was effing with me, something bad, and he ended up sticking a stick. Right up my crotch. Well, yeah, I got a cup on. It didn't hurt. But he's he he keeps like I'm like trying I'm punching his stick down or whatever, and then I punch him in the face, and he gets a little more mad, and I finally release the stick from my crotch, and we're skating up the ice, and he's like beaking at me, and so I t- honest I took my stick right behind his head and flipped his helmet over his face. And then he completely came unglued and Proby's on the ice on the other team and was literally on the ice. And so Constantinoff is like jarring at me. Cause everyone's like, you can't let Max like, cause everybody knew my rep. Like, I'm the greatest guy on the planet unless you F with me. So anyway, he's jarring, 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 and I'm looking to the left, and all of a sudden I get a sucker punch from him. And, you know, it didn't it didn't really... When you're in that mode, when you get hit with a fist, it, it doesn't hurt for yeah. the most part. Yeah, yeah. And... Then all of a sudden, I see blood, and I'm like, I, I, I lost it. So I'm throwing bombs, heat turtles, 
Then I, I absolutely need them in the head. And then now we got a melee, but Proby's on the ice, like I said, and he just let it go because he, he was super honest. Like, that I, I played against him for like two years of junior, and he was the most, besides Kimby um, and Bird, that I know were the most honest, tough guys. Uh, Baumgartner was super tough, like super honest. Uh, Dave Brown, um, guys like that. You know what I mean? They were like super honest. If you f- screwed somebody over, um, you have it coming to you. You know what I mean? Yep. So, yeah. So, <laughs> that was ugly. Yeah, well. They're... But, like I said, Proby was, Proby was awesome. And um, our captain that year in Sudbury, Craig Duncanson, first rounder, he was either seventh or eighth overall to L.A. Um, he had hands, like, size of cinder blocks. And we played the Sioux 12 freaking times, not counting exhibition, um, a year. And Dunk and Proby would absolutely beat the crap out of each other. And honestly, I never saw Dunk lose to Proby. No. Proby, as he aged, got tougher. Yep. And... I don't know if it was a cardio or whatever, but a backstory to that is my first wife um, was born in Windsor, although I met her in Halifax, and her family is prominent in uh, Windsor. I don't know if the old man still owns Windsor Honda or whatever, but that's where the Proverts grew up. And her uncle is a was back when I was married to a staff sergeant uh, on the police force and her, one of her cousins was a uh, officer there too. And they said that actually Proby's other brother or sorry, brother was literally tougher than him. And they used to pick them up all the time and give them rides home because they were inebriated, you know, it, yeah. it, it is what it is. Yep. Well, there you go. We're getting some, we're getting some probert history, but, um, yeah, no, I love Proby. Yeah. I, I honestly, uh, that he was awesome to me. Yep. Well, one of your, um, well, so your first year, uh, like you said, just, uh, you pumped home 16. And then, um, uh, well, it's the NHL entry draft. Yeah, that's a good story. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the 19, 1985 entry draft, you end up going, uh, 57th overall, uh, round three to the Quebec Nordiques. Um, what, what now? Well, okay. Well, here, tell us the story about the. Well, I was going to ask you one. 
I mean, it's every every kid's dream, obviously, to get drafted. But so you get drafted by the Aurigues. One, did you, were you pissed about going to Quebec? And two, <laughs> as an, I said to you on Twitter, I would assume as an American, obviously, you wanted to go to an American team. So, well, let's get this whole story from the draft. How did that go? All like, did they do the whole interview there. thing and with you and everything? Obviously, with these teams. No, no, they didn't back that. No. So uh, I'm with Gus Padali, who has every absolute superstar in the NHL: Lemieux, uh, Gretzky, uh, Muller, um, Coffee, like Howard Chuck, like you name them. Gus Badawi had him. So I'm sitting there with Gus, my dad, my mom, and a couple siblings. And the only thing in my head was, because like you said, I was American and I didn't know at the time. Um, I don't want to get drafted by Montreal or Quebec. So <laughs> I was rated a lot higher. I was rated actually like 36. Seventh by central scouting or whatever, and I didn't get drafted at that time. And I'm like, so now I'm not really happy, you know, because there was limited amount of teams back then. Yep. You know what I mean? It's not like uh, thirty team or thirty one teams now, and Seattle's going to be thirty two. So. My name gets called by the Nordiques, and I sat there, and it was like bleacher form, you know what I mean? We were in bleachers or whatever, and my dad's like, hey, you got to go down there. I go, no, I'm not. (laughs) He goes, you're going down there. I go, no, I'm not. He goes... You get your ass down there, and you accept the jersey. <laughs> he started like giving it to me, like I thought I was going to get my ass kicked, because <laughs> that was his tone. Yeah, and I didn't want to get drafted there, but I didn't pull Eric Lindros, and you know, granted he was who he is, and in the Hall of Fame or. Whether yep. he, yep. I don't even know. I don't keep up. So yeah, he is. Yeah, you know, I'm like you. I just, I barely watch. I keep in touch with my buddies that I played with and against, and once in a while I catch a score here and there. But yeah, well, so I went down. Uh, yeah, I went down there, and because I didn't want to get my butt kicked by my dad, because my dad's a big dude. Like, you know, he's, like I said, he was all American, uh, even in the fifties for his, at that time, he was, uh, six, three and a half, two twenty five. Well, you're talking the fifties, you know what I mean? Yeah. And by the time, uh, that rolled around that draft, he's like two sixty, and he is not missing a beat. Yep. Like as far as the toughness, he might have like, you know, some excess water weight, but yeah. So I'm like, okay, dad. Well, so in this 1985 draft, of course, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs had the first pick overall and it was Wendell Clark. 
And uh, then Pittsburgh took Craig Simpson, and New Jersey took Craig Wulanen, uh for the top three, for anybody wondering. Uh, Dave Manson also went 11th to Chicago. But uh, well, so you get drafted. I mean, that's, you know, hell, like I said, that, you know, to Quebec or not, I mean, at the end of the day, it's shit, you got drafted in the NHL. So um, what would, so did you, uh, what was, so the, over, obviously over the summer, you, you go to, uh, or in the fall, you go to Nordique camp? Yes. And, uh, well, how, how, what was that experience like? I mean, we have Michelle Goulet and the Stasneys and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what was your experience well, I, like I in actually, Nordique camp? Um, yeah. That camp, I, honest to God, like I said, I consider myself a goal scorer. I lit that camp up. I played um, three inter-squad games, had two goals every game as an 18-year-old. And they're like, we got to give this kid a shot. I guess. I don't know. Nothing was said to me because nobody ever says anything back then. So um, roster was cut. Preseason. They're like, um, yeah, you're coming with us. I'm like, okay. So uh, we had a couple games against the Flames. Uh, okay, I'm 18. I'm not cocky whatsoever. And we, the first game was in Moncton uh, because that's where Calgary's uh, AHL team was. I couldn't even stand up for the first shift. I was in so awe. Like, I literally, my legs didn't work. My arms didn't work. I was falling all over the place because I, I couldn't believe it. Because two years ago, when I was 16, I told my dad I was going to play in the NHL, and he absolutely laughed at me. He said, yeah, right. So that pissed me off and drove me even harder. And it was like, it took me like seriously at least a period to comprehend that I'm actually playing in the NHL. Yep. Like whether it's preseason or not, or regular season, I like, I, I just, it, it was, it was overwhelming. Well, yeah. Well, hey, you got the jersey on, and absolutely, and you're out there. Yeah, it was, like, messed up. Like, I'm talking, like, you know, I'm a 40-goal scorer in the OHL. I just lit up training camp, but all of a sudden, reality hits, and you're in the NHL playing against, like, Jim Poplinski, um... Joel Otto, um, Nikki Fatio was on that team. Um, uh, Clark Gillies, who I idolized growing up uh, in Jersey uh, with the Islanders. I'm like, oh my freaking god! Like, are you freaking kidding me? Yep. It was it was unbelievable. And then the next year, I got called up out of junior as a 19 year old. I'm in Calgary. You got Clark Gillies and I'm lined up against, and his back is like the size of a freaking wall. Uh, Nikki Fatio is on the right, and Jim Poplinski is in the middle. I'm like, 
I almost I almost shit myself. Like I'm a buck eighty eight at that time. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> but I ended up uh that that tour I I had uh five points of five games and they had to send me down because uh Lou Nanny uh we were in Minnesota fourth game, I believe it was, um, was bitching why I'm in the lineup because I was on emergency recall. And, uh, for, (laughs) there was one of the guys I was on emergency recall for because, you know, they have the rules with junior and stuff was Ken Quinney, who's a good buddy of mine. Um, Ken Quinney's playing. <laughs> so it was like, I, I had an assist in the first period playing power play, everything. And then I never got another shift. <laughs> ah, the politics of hockey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so then we go to Winnipeg next night, and I literally had one shift. I'm playing uh, what Gordonnelly calls uh uh scoreboard uh poker we're we're betting on whatever it's going to stop at yep and uh i had one shift in the third period on the power play on the d okay i'm a right winger center i'm playing d just so i get a game play they threw me in there you go <laughs> which was nice but it was funny as shit because one time, um, I was sitting there with Gordy in his exhibition, and I'm bitching about my ice time, you know, hockey at that time, somewhat, because I thought, he, well, we are buddies, whatever. And he goes, shut your fucking mouth, kid. He goes, you know how much fucking people would pay behind us and all around this arena? to sit here he goes so shut your fucking mouth i go yes gord (laughs) (laughs) there you go yeah gordy was awesome he's a tough motherfucker absolutely uh yeah yeah he uh yeah the the first game i ever played when i was 19 playing buffalo in our own barn at the call say um i don't want to say who it was because i'm friends with them now but he was like trolling me and like saying shit and gordy even though he's a righty was on the left wing and he comes over and he says you got a fucking problem he goes no no i'm just talking to max he goes no no you're not gonna fucking say shit to him all night and (laughs) it was awesome you know what I mean? Because yep. like I said, I was a buck 88. Yeah, I could fight at the junior level with anybody, but not at the NHL level. You know, that's, that, that's a whole different ballgame at that point, I, yeah. Yeah, I was still like, I wasn't even, you know, uh, I was still a kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, you're not a man. Even though 19, legally, you're a man. But physically, you're not a man. No. You haven't finished growing. Yeah. 
No, absolutely. Well, so 85-86, you're back in Sudbury. You play 61 games. You pump home 40 goals. Hell of a year, 82 points. Um, you led the team in scoring, along with Mike Hudson. But, uh, yeah, Huddy's old buddy. Yeah, just kind of, uh, you know, going, going through, uh, the, uh, you, you know, Ken McRae. And, uh, another guy I was going to ask you about, I noticed you actually you played with him a bunch of places, but, and he turned out to have a, a long NHL career was, uh, Jeff Brown. Yeah. Brownie is a good dude. Like, um, I, I, what can you say? You know, I mean, he was an all-star once in the big league and, uh, we actually, um, my second year, which would have been his third year, uh, actually back up my first year, I started dating this girl and Brownie was actually, um, a billet there. And, but I didn't know that at the time. So my second year, we both like kind of like hung out, you know, and built like he was still there and, I moved in there because, uh, because I had a little, I guess, I don't know, pole or whatever. And, um, we used to hang out all the time. Yep. When he got drafted, he had this white Honda Prelude there you <laughs> that, go. that he bought. Yeah. It was like, I can't believe like, dude, you're like hitting my, my memory bank and I actually can remember a lot of stuff. I don't remember a lot of stuff, but yeah. And, uh, Brownie got called up when he was 19. I was 18 and to Quebec. And I took his prelude out and he was pissed because <laughs> <laughs> he left the keys. And he's like, you know, I don't see whatever. Like, you know what I mean? But yep. it was, it was funny at the time, but, and, I should have, but there's no cell phones. How am I going to get in contact with you? I don't know what hotel you're living at. Yeah, it wasn't like I was doing it for a joyride. But hey, you got to do it, right? Well, well, I was tired of my Jeep. Ex- <laughs> you know, I had a Jeep there, like, and it was like, no, I want a car. Yeah, you got to do this brand new Prelude. But uh, well, this this year. And this season, you end up playing on the for Team USA at the World Juniors. And uh, you were saying earlier, this is the first time in World Junior history that the American team medaled. You guys won the bronze. How was that experience? That had to be something representing your country. Um, okay, well, I always got snubbed by USA Hockey because I, I was from Jersey. And they wouldn't invite anybody to, like, you know, national camps. And I got a call out of the blue, and it was like November. I got 30 goals in 30 games in the OHL, or something like that. It was like crazy stat. And they're like, hey would you like to play for the U.S. junior team? We would like you to play. And I'm like, I didn't even get to go to the camp. 
you know, I wasn't even invited. And I'm like, well, yeah, because, you know, I thought it was, and, and the only reason I said, yeah, because it was based out of Hamilton. Well, this is my domain. You know what I mean? This is my hometown, yeah. like the area, the OHL, you know, we played games in London, Hamilton, uh, at Cops Coliseum, they opened actually uh, that year 17,000-seat arena, and we played in South Mountain, which I they had chicken wire instead of glass on the ends. <laughs> not, I'm not kidding you. My first year of junior, we were playing Hamilton uh, with, what do you want to call that, uh, chicken wire or yeah. – yeah. um, yeah, in the corners. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? This is the, this is supposed to be like top. Anyway, so I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And then I get to um, the tourney, and I come to find out that I was a replacement for somebody who was ineligible. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? So Canada gets like suits, right? They get gray pants, black jackets, uh, Canada um, crest on the jacket. They look sharp. Um, we get a winter coat and a T-shirt. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? This is Hamilton. <laughs> like in December, it's cold as F. Like we didn't get anything. Oh, sorry. We got a turtleneck and a sweater. Oh, there you go. I remember. Fuck, so you guys are the bad yeah. news bears. But, so I'm like, okay, so we're wearing blue jeans? And they're like, wear, wear whatever bottoms you want. I'm like, okay, because this is my second year. Like, in OHL is professional. You have suits, you know what I mean? And, like, this is supposed to be worldwide. Like, you want to be professional, but Canada looks unbelievable. We look like shit. Because <laughs> everyone's wearing blue jeans. Like, come on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. But anyway, uh, we won a bronze medal first time in 15 years of the tournament. Um Against Sweden, I got the jersey. It's in one of my kids' rooms with the bronze medal. Uh, I think Reese has that. My uh, 16-year-old daughter has that in her room. Uh, E.T., my oldest boy, took a couple other jerseys uh, out of Rondack and Fort Wayne jersey. And I think Benny has... Uh, Wayne Gretzky autographed Coyotes jersey, even though he never played, but he liked that one. So nice, but uh, well, that's hey man, that's like you played the World Juniors and forty goal season. So eighty five, eighty six, you had a hell of a run. Um, going into that camp, the that that so that's your second NHL camp. How, were you a little, a little more confident, or uh... um, yeah. I, um, let's just say my, um, 
demeanor was, I'm the shit. And cocky, you know, you're 19. Yep. Going into camp, and your shit don't stink. And I fucking lit that camp up, too. And I'm lighting exhibition up. And uh, so we're in Edmonton uh, playing against Oilers exhibition. I dumped the puck in at the red line. Uh, Steve Smith is at the blue line. So what is that? I don't know, 12, 15 feet, whatever it was. And dump the puck in. I go to get off and I got absolutely obliterated from behind by him in an open door. The part that was open uh, went into my pelvis and didn't know for four years that that broke my pelvis because you're getting hit like in a sharp object. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I was trying to get off and the point where the door comes in. Anyway, um, so I, I literally could not walk. And that was the only time in three years of junior and whatever it was, 12 or 10 or 11 years of pro that I ever cried from pain. It hurt so bad. So we're on the road. And so we have the Edmonton doctor. I literally crawled to the locker room. It hurt so bad. And he says, oh, you got a hip pointer. Because there is no, um, uh, what's it called, where you get, either you take an ambulance to the hospital to get x-rayed, because there's no x-ray machines, right? Yeah. And the trainer decided, oh, you doctor says you have a, a, a hip pointer. So, you know, like I said, four years later, I found out I got a, really bad broken pelvis and it's still the same it like i got a bone that sticks out on my pelvis so anyway funny story we're going back and we didn't charter back then and so we're flying back to quebec and the trainer okay you know like i said we all wear suits and or whatever and we're on a commercial flight and the trainer says, hey, pull your pants down. I go, because we're like in the middle of a plane. I go, what? He goes, pull your pants down. I go, are you kidding me? He goes, no, we're going to ice you up. So I'm sitting there for like three and a half hours with no pants on. Just in the underwear, okay? Underwear wasn't sexy back then. It was white. (laughs) (laughs) And we're hovering every 20 minutes with uh, ice. And I'm like, are you... (laughs) I'm like, okay. So finally, after three weeks, they're like, yeah, we want to send you back to junior. I'm like... I still could barely walk. 
They're like, yeah, you're in the lineup tomorrow night against Pittsburgh. I'm like, so I sucked it up. Watch, uh, played and watched Mary Lemieux score three goals. <laughs> was was phenomenal, but I actually played. And I remember I was uh, the first four checker, so I was coming back and like he was so effortless. Like he just he barely it looked like put any effort into his shot. And I was right behind him, probably I don't know, twenty, thirty feet. And he picked because, you know, it wasn't the uh butterfly style back then and he picked right over the where I used to shoot all the time on the stick side and I'm like Oh my god. This is fucking awesome, but I'm going I'm going back tomorrow, you know what I mean? Yep. Well, so you do, so you do go back and you end up uh, you know, you have 31 goals in 31 games with Sudbury, but then they trade you to the Kitchener Rangers. Yeah, I I, uh, I requested that. I requested a trade like uh they brought in um a coach that was under Bert Templeton, who's legendary. Bert Templeton was in North Bay, and they brought in a guy who was 26 years old, uh, never played the game, was just a coach. And I didn't care for his style. So I requested a trade. Well, so well, so then you, sh- you you go to Kitchener, and how was that? Uh, I was great. I got uh, met back up with uh, Reichs, Warren Reichel. Yep. Um, Darren Moxham, who's from Sudbury, who I played with my rookie year, and had a lot of buddies on that team. It was freaking awesome. Hey, I was going to ask you. There's a there's a name that comes up here as I'm looking in that last in that '86 '87 OHL. Um, well, there's a couple names I'm going to throw at you that you played against, but one being in the news here with the Oilers and stuff was Keith Gretzky. Who, who, yeah, he had a hundred uh, point. Gretzky he had a hundred point season that year. Uh, yeah, he was involved. Him and I were buddies. Like I used to, uh, believe it or not, <laughs> when I was a Kitchener. Um, couple times we used to drive to Belleville and hang with him and uh, Danny Grad and just chill, believe it or not. Yeah. So, and, and Gretz actually, uh, him and I, he was coach, I was the player assistant coach in Bakersfield. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's a really good dude. I don't know, you know, this is years ago, so I haven't talked to him since uh, the 90s. But I mean, that's the thing with, uh, of course, with Wayne, you know, you're the brother of Wayne Gretzky. I mean, there's nothing you could do, right? You're always going to be in the shadow. But him and uh, right. him and his brother Brent, actually, they were they had talent. Yeah. They were both good. Brent was a good dude. Yeah, They both were, like, super spot-on people. You know, but Wayne was so much older than them. And, um, but when I was with Keith, 
in Bakersfield, winding my career down. He's like, hey, I'm going to call my bro. That's when uh, Gretzky was doing uh, shit. I got to go pull him out of the... Um, I still have him. When he was doing, like, L.A. gear. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I have, to this day, it's in my hand right now, um, a high top that actually looks like a boot without the blade. Yeah. Uh, uh, Keith had his brother setting up for everybody on the whole team, trainers, everybody, the L.A. gear high tops. I still got them. They got skate laces and all that, and I've kept them since, like, 95. <laughs> well, hey, there, it's a unique, uh, unique um Another guy I wanted to ask you about, and he's on TV, and he was a, you know, he played the tough guy role in the NHL, but the guy put up a shit ton of points in the OHL was, uh, in North Bay was Nick Kiprios. Yeah. Um, yeah, he broke my fucking right thumb. Pardon my French. Well, he'd swear all you want. And it wasn't on purpose. No, he was just slashing my stick and I actually got my thumb, but, um, Crazy, like Nick was a sixty goal scorer. Yep. Um, Pie Man uh, Lowry was a sixty goal scorer in um, London, and they turned those guys into in the NHL. Uh, well, they turned Nick into a fighter, and Pie Man was like a scrappy. Like not a goal scorer anymore. Yeah, Dave Lowry. Yep. And you know his son's playing in the NHL now, but uh, I was a rookie, and Pie Man was—I think he was in his second or third year in Fredericton. He was on that team of that brawl that you you posted. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had a sick team. We lost to Hershey that year in the finals. And. As crazy as it sounds, we played two games in Hershey in the finals. Okay? It's yep. 94 degrees in the building. Wednesday, both teams take a charter back to Fredericton and play two games in a row again. So you're playing four games in five days of finals. Yep ridiculous. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But anyway, Pie Man was unbelievable. Uh, Nick was a great goal scorer. And why not let them try to evolve? Okay, if you score 60 goals in 66 games, <laughs> oh, yeah. wouldn't you want that person to like, because that's freaking impressive. That yep. is unbelievable. Yep. You're almost scoring a goal a game. Like, why ch- try to remold them? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But, no, I got along with him. Uh, Nick, um, possibly he might fight me. Possibly, probably not. Because I was a little, I was kind of crazy. Yeah. Well, speaking of crazy. 
There was a guy in Cornwall I wanted to ask you about too, named Rob Ray. Did you ever run into him? <laughs> yeah, he he didn't mess with me either. Because uh, Dunk, my buddy, um, who was the captain when I was in Sudbury, um, he got traded there. Like they, we're like number one rated team in Canada for Major Junior, and the freaking GM just traded everybody. So Dunk and our starting goalie went to Cornwall and blah blah. Anyway. Yeah. No, nah, he never messed with me. Well, so well, then we'll you know we'll jump into your your pro career. We'll leave junior behind. So uh, eighty seven. Well, I was gonna say eighty six, eighty seven. So you you start with the Nords. And you had the five points in the six games. You know, you look at and then you had the big year in junior. It's like holy shit! All right, here we go. Well, in eighty seven, eighty eight, you get one game in Quebec, and that's it. Like and. Um... And you know what? They they literally run the point. Um, I got to think of his name here. Um, was the president? Uh, there was like four guys flew into Fredericton and to pick me up. Yep, I got a broken hand. <laughs> they didn't even know I had a broken hand. So. They're like, all right, well, like I literally have a cast on my hand. I'm not even playing. I'm dressed, but I'm not playing. And, uh, oh, his name was Rona. I think, no, I can't remember. Anyway, um, so we get on this scary small prop plane. And I was wondering if I was ever going to make it, you know, to Quebec. Yeah. And so we get there next night. uh, It was against Buffalo. And I got one shift. (laughs) So I get a game played. Like, yep. They didn't even know there was no communication whatsoever. I got a broken hand. Like, I broke it in two places, beaten actually uh, twice in the same game, but I think I broke it uh, when he ducked and I hit the glass. But I, I don't I don't know. But it was badly broken. Yeah. Well, you had the you had the solid year at Fredericton, though. You had thirty eight games. You know, twenty four points. Um, for your first year in pro, um, well, I was going to ask you that that year before you had, in the six in the six games you had the one goal and four assists. Do you remember who you scored your first NHL goal on? Dang right, I do. All right, Hall of Famer. Uh, talk to him here and there still because I played with him in Edmonton, Grant Fear. Nice. There you go. And and um. When when it all went down and after I scored, believe it or not, Goo and uh, Ash are like, thank God you scored because you're going to get an earful. Because it was a three on two, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, 
honest to God, I was going far side like I always do when I'm coming down the right wing. I always go far side, stick side. But uh, sure as he was a lefty, and as soon as I put my head down, he comes charging out. And I was going where I was going. It just happened to go five hole, dude. Like, honest to God. You still got the puck? Uh, um, no, I, my parents lost it. Oh, but hey, you're in yeah. the you're in the record books. You got one, and against Fuhrer of all people, too. That's even better. But um, yeah, so you're in Fredericton, and this is kind of an interesting group here. Um, actually, one of your teammates is future NHL coach Claude Julian. Yes, uh, Claude sat like. I want to say two or three um, stalls down from me was awesome to me. And I played with him because uh, he was Quebec property. Um, played with him my two and a half years in Halifax after that. So three and a half years I played with him. Yep. Great guy. Yeah. Well, and, uh, and you talk about a tough team. I'll, I'll throw these names out for the listeners. Um, you Trevor Steinberg, Sandlack. Yep. Uh, Sandlack wasn't tough. Well, but you know what I mean. Bigger dude, physical guy, whatever. But as in terms of fight, Scott Shaughnessy, Jim Agnew, and a minor league guy, legend, who went on to have a minor league career, legendary career, was Jacques Mayotte. Yeah. Jocko, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Steiny, I, I talk to him almost daily now, still to yeah. this day, because Steiny, me, and Bird were um, roomies for, like I said, a long time. Um, Jocko, I talk to him here and there. Um, Aggie, Jimmy Agnew, definitely. He was yes. down for anything. There, there's a guy um, for any for anybody listening. Go to YouTube and check out some Jim Agnew shit. You'll be underrated toughness. That dude could throw down. Yes. Yeah. And what I loved about that was uh, once in a while I would uh, leave my because we lived literally a couple houses from each other, and I would jump in his truck because he's a Westerner. And uh, he has to have a truck. And Aggie, <laughs> swear to God, used to have, and I don't even think they have this anymore, he had a cup, well, it was more like a saucer, stuck to his dash where he got to stick his spittoon. <laughs> because he chewed as much as I did. And I just wanted to see it. (laughs) And he had a spittoon on his front porch because Darren Jensen lived with him, too. Because at that time, we were split with Vancouver and uh, Quebec. And so him and Jenner lived together, like I said, like three houses down or whatever it was. And so Aggie had a like a brass spittoon on the front porch. Oh, like, the old, like, the old, like the old Westerns. Yeah. Yes. It was funny as shadizzle. And 
he had it was um shit i gotta try to kind of remember like i don't think he chewed skull yeah i think he chewed kobe but anyway um he's got a spittoon on his dash nice and it, it wasn't huge but you know it was like heck the size of a soup bowl and it was like i want to hang with this guy yeah actually the I, nicest guy i was reading like, i was reading somewhere i think he's a he's a deputy sheriff in like wyoming now or something he is yeah he is and i don't want to give you the backstory to that because uh somebody that i i used to work with who got fired uh told me that he was married or ex to uh, her best friend. So, but. Oh, there you go. Aggie's in law enforcement now. We'll leave it at that. I like Aggie. Yeah. I'm trying to to think who I was talking to on Twitter the other night. And they were saying the same thing. They were, they were big. They were friends with him and stuff. And they said he's a really good dude. Damn it. I can't remember who it was now. I think so. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna talk about my fun remembrance of Aggie, and he was freaking awesome. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, tough dude. Well, so the next year, you're you from Fredericton. You're in Halifax with the Citadels. You play 72 games, 41 goals, 80 points. Hell of a career, or hell of a career. Pardon me, hell of a season. But 88, 89, nothing. Like the Nordiques don't call you. Nothing's going. Like what? What happened? Um, because the year, well, this is what I was told after that season, um, that because I only played 37 games or whatever my rookie year, yeah. I was at a broken hand. I got sick. Like, dude, I was down to like 177 yep. and they couldn't figure out what was wrong. So I played like 37 games that year. So at the end of the year, they finally, like, they're calling up our captain, who Dean Hopkins was already played in L.A. for the Kings. Uh, they're they're calling up Mike Huff, who they, like, these are two guys they already wrote off. They're calling up everybody but me. And I'm like, I didn't get pissed till I, at the end of the year, when I got told... Oh, they wanted you to spend the whole year in the Myers. I'm like, are you effing kidding me? But I have to give absolute credit for that year to Bird Dog, Kimby, Jacques Mayotte, uh, Killer, Kaminsky, yep. and Brent Severin. I never had to drop a glove that well, year. No. Yeah, there there wouldn't have been anybody messing with you guys. Yeah. Well, there were. Like, we brawled. Oh, you guys. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, the other team, I mean, yeah, they're not going to start fucking around too much with you with that lineup. Like you said, we'll just oh, go. Oh, you'd be surprised. Well, well there's other teams. That, that's true. There was other teams that were loaded up back then, too. But, uh, yeah, like you said, what a team, though. Like, that's uh, yeah. pretty tough. I, I mean, Kimball, Severin. Uh, every time I, uh, I laced up my skates, 
I never, that was the only year that I never, ever had to worry about my personal safety. Yep. Yeah, that's uh well and the and the co and you guys had a hell of a team. Like it wasn't like a, it was uh you know, just um a thug show. I mean shit, you guys finished, you know, second overall and um your coach was uh Doug Carpenter. Um Yeah, well that like you said, I mean hell of a team. I mean toughness and everything else. Well, yeah, Carpy was well, Carpy played with like I don't even know. Well, I seen him with this. Um, oh no, I'm thinking of Fatoric. We had Fatoric one year there too. The, we're getting Fatoric get... was absolute. Yeah, Carpy was great. Yeah, he really was. Like he treated us great. Well, he was tough, but. I, I was going to say, here, here's the, well, you brought up his name, and uh, you and uh, he actually even commented tonight on Twitter when I said I was going to be interviewing you in a couple hours. He said, oh, oh, here we go, was Darren Kimball. What was your uh, <laughs> what was your first impressions of the, the 19-year-old from the Saskatchewan boy? Are you sure? Do I, am Are I sure, sure that I want to hear him? Kimby. So, Darren Kimball, what's your impression of Darren Kimball? Your first time here, uh, the Saskatchewan boy shows up in we, Halifax. No, I, I had a. Uh, he showed up in training camp, and um, his reputation preceded him. And uh, heck, I, uh, I was twenty-one, um, so he was twenty. He was done junior. And we're in Nordique training camp, and um, they had like, you know, they don't have, they didn't have the facilities that they have now. But the uh, we were in like this kind of makeshift small conference room that they turned into a weight room, and had weights and um, a heavy bag and all that. And, uh, so Ron LaPointe's in there. He's coach of the Nordiques. And we're all going through the stages, you know, whatever. And Kimby gets, and actually, uh, blew my wrist out, but I didn't know it at the time. And I ended up having surgery after that year. Um, Kimby gets the heavy bag and he is absolutely pounding it like like full four like run the point stops everybody and it's like says the Kimby he's like why don't you do that on the ice so next thing you know the next day Kimby's fighting my buddy Gordy to uh, represent the Nordiques uh, on the heavyweight as a heavyweight. And I'm like, these are like, Gordy's my buddy, but Kimby was such a good dude and whatever. But I remember seeing his right arm just absolutely pissing this heavy bag. 
and everybody stopped like, are you freaking kidding me? Yeah. That was my first impression. <laughs> that 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 right hand stopped a few people. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And I was effing with them one year uh, in practice, and you know, probably went a little too far. And he's like, "Maxie, I don't want to fight you, but I will if I have to." And. I'm like, all right, I went a little too far. Not that I'm scared, but I went a little too far because he fights like I fight. Toe-to-toe. Last guy standing wins. Yep. You want to tie up? I, I don't even I don't even want to. Yep. Like, if you're going to fight, you better be willing to get a fist in your face. Well, if you're going to do it, do it, right? But another another well, guy, another yeah, guy I, on I that... I don't get the tie-up tie up guys. Yeah, if you're fighting, like, uh, what's his name? Um, James uh, Scott, like, who's 6'7", or Boogeyman, yeah. that's, you know, 270, 260. But if that's your job, that's your job. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it that's was... That's why I never chose that job. Well, there... It, well, I always say it was the hardest job in sports. You know, I mean, it definitely is. Yeah, absolutely. Like, oh, the mental strain it would take, and, and physical, and oh yeah, unbelievable. And, and why do you think my best buddies today, who I talk to all the time, were heavyweights? Yep, they made my life easier. Yep. Well, speaking of heavyweights, and I got to actually score and do what I did best instead of dropping the gloves, which I wasn't shitty at it, but I didn't want to do it. What well, everybody Does that makes sense. Well, everybody'd rather score goals. That's where the money is. <laughs> but, right, that's what I told Saber. Like when uh, I was in Edmonton. Uh, Preseason, I got four points, four games. Second star, one game, and uh, he proceeds to tell me I didn't play tough enough. I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" I literally said that to him. I know he's a hall famer. I said, "Are you fucking kidding me?" He goes, "Nah, you didn't play tough enough." I go, "I'm a fucking gold scorer," and he looks at me. I go, and I just wave my hand. I go, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I told a Hall of Fame GM to go fuck himself. Well, but you have a point, right? It's like, what like, what are you doing here? You know, but I was going to, I was going to mention another guy on Halifax that we've, the, that we've been talking about, uh, that you talk about quite a bit is the late Greg Smith, the bird dog. Now, and, you know, um, and I know you lived with him. you want to bring tears to my eyes? Or? Well, we got to, yeah, we got to talk about him, right? I mean, uh, you know, and yeah. uh, Terry Ryan talked about him in my other episode, and uh, everybody has a bird dog story, it seems. And I know Kimball talked about one on his show, and uh, I know you have many because you guys were really good friends and hung out and lived together and everything else. But uh, put it this way, so you're, it's your first year in Halifax with him. Again, what's your impression of the bird dog? Uh, well, 
I have to take deep breaths because Bird Dog was the only, there's only three person or three males that I've ever loved in my life. Bird Dog, my dad, and Kelly Hurd. So this is a little tough. Yep. Since he passed. But um, I beat the shit out of Bird Dog and Junior. And maybe that's why we hit it off when he got traded. Um, my second year, I was in Halifax, or first year in Halifax, but second year pro, he got traded from the Flyers. And I don't know what the hell it was. We just were inseparable for five years. Even after I got traded, um, like three years later, uh, from Halifax or, you know, Quebec, whatever, blah, blah. I would come back home to Halifax and live with Bird in the summer. We had a bond that you can never, ever perceive, like, anyway. And I'm sure people thought we were gay, but, like, we were just, like, He's in a pod, like, uh, and I, I don't know how else to describe it. Like, we just gelled, like, and were, like, we actually were one. Nobody could sleep with Bird on the road anyway because he snored. But I lived with him, and it didn't bug me. So they started rooming me on the road with Bird, and the first year that he was there and it, it just like, it was, that was it. Like, you know, we dyed our hair, we got earrings together. It was, it was crazy. And all I know is, um, I miss him. Yep. Yeah. Well, I not... miss him big time. Yeah. And it's hard to talk about him, but, <laughs> Um, I I don't know whether you want a hockey funny story, hockey crazy story, uh, off ice crazy uh, story. We'll we'll go hockey. We'll go on ice crazy hockey story because that's kind of his reputation that the listeners would know about. Yeah, I got one. We're in uh, Moncton because it was my favorite. Uh, We're in Moncton. I got kicked out first. (laughs) <laughs> Go figure. There's a brawl. I got, so maybe I did, eh, that might have been third year, because the, I, I don't recall ever fighting when I scored 41. So it must have been the next year, because um, I was angry. And anyway, so I got kicked out first. And in Moncton, um, you have your penalty benches, you know, one on each side. And behind the bench, the scorekeeper is a platform for the TV, like recording. Yep. So I got kicked out, and I'm waiting to see who gets uh, kicked out next. And it was Bird. And as Bird's walking toward me, keep in mind, this is my best buddy. Um, he gets through the door and he's coming towards me where there's no glass or anything. 
and he gets a puck in the head, like from from uh, the stands. And we both look like, and we both lose our minds. So Bird, because this is how Bird is. Like I said, there's a, a TV platform behind the scorekeeper. He runs up that platform, goes right to the left where we are, and Superman jumps to the railing and climbs. In, you know, he's full gear, skates and all that. Climbs up and proceeds to just absolutely pummel a dude. <laughs> It was, it was like, okay, I've been in like shit shows before, but this is a new shit show. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. He had to go to court and he won, whatever. But yeah, that was one of my favorite bird stories as far as on the ice. Tremendous. Tremendous. That was uh, unbelievable. Okay, he's 6'5", 250, 255, launching himself ten, at least 10 feet to get the railing because he's pissed. You that, know? That would have been something to see. Yeah. Well, there you yeah. go. There. It was it was, it was uh, I'm like, that's my best buddy. Yeah. And I climbed up on there and I'm like, I'm not, uh, up to the platform. I'm like, I'm not jumping, but I'm going to watch in case I have to be like an accessory, you know? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I was going to ask you, there was a, uh, there was a player also on Halifax that you played with. Um, and the stories of this guy, like the talent that he had was just supposed to be unbelievable. And I talked to, oh, Jer- bogey. yeah, and I talked bogey. to Jeremy Thompson about this because Jeremy played in the minors briefly with him right at the end of his career. But how, how good was Brian Fogarty? Fogarty and I were tight. Yep. Believe it or not. We, we were tight since junior even though we didn't play on the same team. Um, I, I honestly, I don't, I don't know how to answer. Like, cause I, me and Fogey were two peas in a pod dealing with like our own individual demons. And yep. I don't know how else, to word it like he he didn't end up coming out on the top end no no unfortunately I, I loved him I was buddies with him for years uh, went to Minnesota with him um, for uh, Quebec uh, they sent six of us there including Kimby for um, six weeks of um, off ice training and on ice training, thinking that, you know, they were going to turn Shadizzle around. And uh, I don't, I don't want to tell you. No, I get it. That blew me, that blew me away when, uh, the news broke. However, 
already knew Foggy. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah. like I said, he, he was a good buddy. We used to, like, me, him, and Bird used to hang all the time. And I didn't say we were doing anything that he was doing. Um, we drank beer. Yep. And rye. And that was it. Yep. Well, and, oh, I was going to ask you before we move on from this, uh, in Quebec, uh, at your camps there, there was a young rookie, uh, named Joe Sackick. Did you, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, did you, uh, get along with Jolton Joe? Of course I did. Yes. Joe was like the nicest guy on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. And crazy that he's a Western leaguer with that talent at that time. In terms of the scoring? Western leaguer was, um, back then it was like prototypical NHL player came from the OHL and, um, the heavies came from the Western League, and the goal scorers came from the Quebec League. Yep. So, Sack shows up in camp, and I'm like, oh, my God, this this guy's freaking good. Yep. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, I know. I watched him at Swift Current. He was unbelievable. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then that- you got, like, like, think about, like, at that time – you got um, Kimby, uh, Baumgartner, Dave Brown, Twister, um, um, Rudy Pocha. Did yep. he play there? Yep. Yep. You got, yeah, yeah. So um, you got like mega heavyweights out of that league. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I watched them all. And yeah. you just, yeah. And you just want to keep your head up when you're playing them, no matter what league you're in, because they're probably going to take it off. If your head's not up. Yep. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And you got, and then Joe Sackick shows up in Quebec and I'm like, Oh my God. Like, not only was he super talented, but he worked like, he was always, if you're doing lines, like, you know, lightning drills or whatever, he's always the first to finish. You know what I mean? Yep. If you go blue line, red line, blue line, back, you know, red line back, Sack always won. Yeah, well, there you go. He's in the Hall of Fame for a reason, right? Um, right. You know, actually, another team I wanted to ask you about when you were talking about it's so ninety one, ninety two. You're in Cape Breton, and I was kind of looking, and uh, a couple of tougher dudes on that team uh, were Mark LaForge, Louis DeBrusque, and the legendary, infamous John Cordick. Were you around? Were you there when Cordick was there? Uh, Cordick was not on that team when I played there. No. Did you ever meet no. him though? Yeah. Uh, he was playing uh, when I was in Adirondack, and Bird was in Halifax. Uh, Cordick was in uh, Halifax. 
and uh, I don't want to get into the finer points. Never throw anybody under the bus. Yep. But um, let's just say John indulged in stuff that was not pregame meal. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody knows, right? The story. I mean, that's. What but he was a good dude. He yeah. was. He was. Yeah. I walked over in which. Back then, dude, you never did, but this was my buddy Bird. And I walked over to say hi to my buddy because we're best buddies. And uh, Cordic was sitting out there, and his arms were literally the size of footballs, dude, his biceps. And I'm like, oh, my God. And uh, so anyway, I'm BSing with uh, Bird. Like, hey, we're going to dinner, whatever. And the next night, uh, Cordic fought, because uh, that team I had in uh, Adirondack was sick. Yep. Had Jimmy Cummins, um, Kirk Tomlinson, uh, Dennis VL, um, Krupke, Dennis Potvin, um, shit, I'm missing one, because we had five heavies. Krupke? Not not very tough. Like Bot, yeah, Mark Botvin? Uh, I already said that. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've yeah, Krupke was like, he was an awesome guy. Like, I had no problem with anybody on that team. And, but he wasn't like, um, shit, I rattled it off the other day. Like, um, Dennis Vial had like 21 fights in 22 games that year because yep. he was up and down. Yep. Um, oh, he played with Primo on that team too. Uh, well, he got sent down for the finals uh, for the playoffs. Yeah. Um, we had uh, shit. I used to. I'm getting tired, but anyway, one dude had. Um, 37 fights. Uh, one had 35 fights. One had 33 fights. Um, and then Dennis Vial, which is the most impressive, had 21 in 22 games. Like, are yeah. you freaking kidding me? How was Mel? How was Melrose yeah. as a coach? Um. Really, really liked him, but he wound me up. Like, I, that was, like, the sickest suspension I ever took. Uh, other than, you know, beating a ref or whatever. Um, you beat a ref? Because he would just, yeah. What league were you in? <laughs> um, which time? Because, uh... <laughs> I had a 20-gamer for a ref and a 23-gamer for a ref. Well, what leagues were they in? Um, what the hell was that stupid league in Bakersfield? Uh, uh, the, what, West, the West Coast League, yeah. Yeah, and the uh, stupid Southern, uh, what was that? Um, oh, when you were at Winston-Salem? No, that's the East Um the hell was that? In Texas, um, West, 
Oh, the Western, oh, the Western Pro League. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I didn't, dude. If you're gonna like back, like those were like the bowels of hockey. So I'm married with a kid, and I was just angry. Yeah. Because I'm trying to, you know, make a living. And granted, uh, obviously, I know that's not right now, but I, that was the mentality, dude, my whole life, like, yeah, survival, you know what I mean? Yeah. When you're, when you're a six down from the top out of 14 kids, it's survival of the fittest. No, nope, I get you. I hear you. Well, now we're not ta- saying it's right, not saying it's wrong. No, no, but I know I understand what you're saying. But uh, well, like I said before, I, I won't keep you too much longer. But I have to ask because it's it, you know it's on YouTube and uh, it's sort of become infamous. And I actually remember seeing this on the old show Rinkside that used to be on TSN, and I can remember reading it in the hockey news. Was your incident with Dennis Larocque? The the infamous uh, yeah the infamous hey, my kicking episode at work for the last three years have been giving me the gears on this yes because uh, I used to work PMs which is non senior union guy but um, so when I went to mornings like four years ago um, you know you had to reintroduce yourself to uh, the morning people and I'm I'm super quiet for the most part. I just want to get my work done or whatever. And one guy pulls out that video and I didn't even know it existed. (laughs) And he's like, is this you? I go, yeah. He goes, and he had eyeballs, you know, like the size of saucers. He goes, oh my God. I go, you don't know the backstory. Backstory is Dennis Lamont played in Guelph. Same league I played in, OHL, was chicken shit, whatever. So uh, we were in Moncton that night, and he, I was in front and whatever. And there wasn't a lot going on. He's like, hey, let's go. I'm like, yeah, whatever. You're not a fighter. And he's, he goes, no, let's go. I go, whatever. And I turn around and I skate away. And next thing I know, I'm skating up the ice. And I get grabbed from behind. And I start getting, like, you know, fists. Well, now you are trying to hurt me. And I was always brought up with um, eye for an eye doesn't count. Eye for two eyes counts like, like tough, you know what I mean? And so I rear around and I start beating the crap out of him and he turtled. So that pissed me off even more. 
because stand on your feet if you're going to grab somebody from behind. So I lost it because he turtled and I kicked him. Like, I have no problem with that action. And the way I was brought up, like, mm -mm. you're going to get your due. Like, you're done. You want to try to hurt me, beating the crap out of me from behind? You're going to get it worse. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, because he wasn't even, like, he wasn't even a blip on any kind of fighting radar. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? No, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. See, see, now people, now there's some context in the video. How many games suspension did you get for that? Um, Five. I broke his rib. Apparently. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, I didn't give a shit. You know, I've taken... Um, some guy wouldn't fight me and then decide to uh, run up against me uh, down the ice and butt in me in the air. And I'm like, God, that hurt. So I pull my glove off because I'm, you know, you get hit in the head. You're like, you got to think about it. So I put my finger in my ear and I, I got some blood. I chase the fucker down and I, he, I'm like, let's go. And, um, he wouldn't go, so I chased him, and I two-handed him in the face. I broke his uh, cheekbone, his eye over it, and his nose. That was like six games. You'd be, you'd be in jail if you did that shit today. <laughs> well, I know. I yeah. know. Like, I, like, but, like, come on. Be honest. Like, if you're going to play like a fucking puss, then you're going to get treated like one. You know what I mean? Yep. Well, I got a few more. Uh, I'll just throw a few more names at you, and then we'll let you go for the night. But I do have to ask you, because you played a couple times in Fort Wayne, and he actually ended up being a big, uh, he's like a legend in Fort my Wayne. My wife, actually, uh, my wife right now, uh, I met her in Fort Wayne. Um my best buddy, who wasn't a hockey player at the time, worked for the number one radio station, and uh, her and I were best buddies, like strictly plutonic. And I love Fort Wayne. I was going to say, yeah, well, uh, well, a guy in Fort Wayne who's a legend there is uh, Fletcher, Steve Fletcher. What are, your, yep. uh, what are your memories of Fletch? I love Fletch. Fletch... I played against him um, in the A when he was with Sherbrooke. Super tough. Yep. Never picked his fights. Um, and I remember this is this is going to be like over the top funny, but I'm playing with Fletch on the line. Okay, I'm center. I can't remember who is on the right. Fletch is. Coming, Fletch is known like he's got like a hundred and something mile an hour slap shot, but he can't control it. And because he's big, eh? He's super 
like ripped. So anyway, he's bolting down the left side and wants to shoot on the goal. And he lets it rip. I'm like going down the center of the ice. It's in our home building. It didn't even like it went over the glass, dude. Like, <laughs> what is that? Thir- 13, 14 yeah. feet. Yep. And I'm, I swear to God, I remember this to the day and I don't remember a lot of shit. It hit this lady who wasn't paying attention in the face. Oof. Her glasses go up about 10 feet in the air. Blood just starts pouring down. And I, I actually stopped. Like, before I even got to the um, circles, I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Did this just happen? Yeah, Fletchy was awesome, though. He was a good dude. Really good dude. Yeah, yeah, like you said, played there a long time. He was a tough dude. Well, another name, just because uh, you played for the San Diego Gulls in the IHL as well, um, and uh, you guys had a hell of a team. And, I mean, Rick Dudley is the coach. But, but one of the guys, and Lindy Ruff was on that team, Robbie yes. Nichols, Perry Anderson, uh, Tony McKegney, I mean, was, Keith Gretzky. There was only one guy on that team that did not play in the NHL. Yeah. No, Holder, you, McDonough. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell me? Uh, He's a native. No. And I, actually beat his ass before he got traded there. Cernich? In San Diego. Played for Anaheim. I have no idea. Okay, read the roster. And this guy didn't play Maybe in the NHL? He didn't make it in the NHL. No, he made it in the NHL. Oh, he made as a it. Fighter. Oh, yeah. Who, Martinson. Nope. Marty wasn't on that team. Oh, Denny Lambert. Yes. Yes. Oh. Yeah, I beat the living tar out of him in San Diego when he was a rookie. It just happened. I didn't want to. That happens. But he tied me up, and I saw a drug uh, uh, and come <laughs> to find out afterwards when I played with him, he's like, no, my hands were so sweaty, the glove dropped. Well, I spun around like and just absolutely pounded him. And not that, like I said, I never, ever, ever consider myself a heavyweight because heavyweights have to do it every night. I didn't want to do it every night, nor would I want to do it every night. However, um, I enjoyed when I'm uh, angry uh, fighting guys that are, you know, considered heavyweights. Like, I remember one time where, uh, when I was in, um, Cape Breton, this rookie, I don't remember his name, but, um, supposedly he was considered up and coming, um, 
you know, tough guy. And I got, I got the word from a teammate who was a college guy. I'm like, okay, this guy's a college guy. I'm like, mm. he goes, yeah, he's really tough. I'm like, really? So I proceeded to absolutely hit him with three bombs and he seatbelt me. And I'm like, and I said to Podes, uh, Sean Podin, like, this is what you proceed to be like a tough guy. And he's like, yeah, he's like doing well in the league. I'm like, really? Cause I used to challenge myself all the time to make sure that I still had it. You know what I mean? Yep. But not that I wanted to, because that was not my deal. Yeah, well, no. And I don't. What's that? Well, no, not when you're averaging a point a game. No, it's not your deal. Right. But because the way I was raised, I don't know, dude. It. it... Just happened. Yeah, there were some there were some days I just wanted to fucking absolutely like you know fucking bull stick. And obviously I did with I think I've been suspended almost ninety or no, hundred games in my career. Yeah. Because I just could not fucking deal with um pussies. Yeah, but I didn't want to fight. You know what I mean? Like heavyweight every day. Yeah. Well, in all in uh, in all your, what was the one fight where, like, the guy hit you and you're like, oh, that sucked. Like, who was the who was the one that? Because uh, everybody's taking a beating. Who gave you the beating? Um. Well, that's a good question. The only. Time that I've ever been hit um, so hard was I don't even know if you know a guy Mike Wallace. Who's that? Mike Ware. Oh yeah, Mike Ware. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that story on that is we're both rookies, seventeen, and he used to hustle me all the time and, like, stick me and whatever. And we're the same height, eh? And um, one time we were in South Mountain Arena chicken wire because uh, Hamilton moved there. Um, and I back-checked so hard because he was scumming me all game. And I think it was, like, second period. And I back-checked. It was a three-on-two, and I literally, absolutely obliterated him. Ended up, I separated his shoulder, you know, whatever, blah, blah. So every game since for two years, um, I had to fight him. So second year junior, we're in my building, I, we're going toe to toe. I've never lost to this guy. I mean, toe to toe. 
he hit me so freaking hard, I couldn't see. It was snow, like on the TV. And I'm in my building, so I know where the penalty box is because we're just too, uh, I was just in front of it. And I grabbed him and had the wherewithal to pull him down. Lines we got in, I, st- I, I can't see, but I know where my box is. Yeah, that was the biggest hit I've ever had. Yeah. In, like, yeah, like, where's he was, like, I beat the shit out of him so many times. And he hit me, that was the hardest hit I've ever had in my life. He was a bad, he was a tough dude. Well, well, Maxie, uh, we're kind of wrapping up here. I don't want to take too much more of your time, but I do have to ask about one thing. And it's sort of, uh, it's kind of, uh, the RHI, the roller hockey league. You played with the San Diego Barracudas. Yes, sir. How was that? That was kind of the, uh, awesome. I remember in the early nineties, that, that, that was sort that of the, actually, that was yeah, the fun summer I job. I enjoyed that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I was, um, contemplating whether I was ever going to play again at that time. Um, Larry Floyd was living there. Shaker was living there. Daniel Shank. Um, Robbie Nichols was there. Like, it was like, you know, I'm hanging with my buddies, and they're like, hey, you want 500 bucks a week? I'm like, all right. And... You know, it was, I don't know, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. It, yeah, I scored, shit, what did I score? 29 goals in like 15 games or something? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was fun. It was like, I I don't know, I have no, like, RHI was great that year. However, I took the second year off. I was living in the fort. And uh, Steve Martinson called me the third year of the RHI. And uh, he's like, hey, you want to come play? I'm like, well, Sunday goes awesome. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. And I'm like, okay. And uh, that that year, because I don't know the second year, all I can tell you is about the third year, it was all ECHLers that thought they were tough. And walking around with, like, you know, they got something huge. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm the big dick daddy. Yep. And I beat the shit out of it was three games. I lasted three games. And I'm embarrassed to say, but I beat the shit out of one guy who's apparently legendary in the ECHL for fighting. And I'm like, because he kept fucking scumming me and hitting me. And I'm like, dude, are you for real? And I guess he didn't think I was going to fight him because there wasn't fighting then. You know what I mean? Yep. 
So I got kicked out of the league in the third game. Well, there you go. <laughs> but they're actually, yeah. when, it first, when the RHI first started, there was a bunch of fights all the time. Um, honestly, there was no fights in the games I played. Really? Maybe they might have been in Canada or whatever, but uh, there was not one fight that year that I put up 29 in 15 games. Not one. I never saw one fight. Hmm. Well, I might there could have been, like, because they were across, like, Canada and across Oh, yeah, the like, US. well, Lakovic and Butters yeah. and all them were playing. But I and, never, I yeah. never saw a fight. Ever. I'm, I'm, in the well, 15 I might, games I played. I might be thinking of, uh, what was the other league? There was another roller hockey league, too. There was? There was, but it, well, it wasn't on the level of the RHI because a friend of mine played in it. Because that's oh, where, because he was no the one idea. that sent me the tapes and stuff. Because that's, that's where I saw the fights. Now that I think about it, but uh, but yeah, well there we go. Well, so when your career wraps up, you take the. Uh, uh, I didn't real. I didn't even realize this until you and Jeremy Thompson were talking about it on Twitter the other day. You became a referee. Yes, sir. Now you were, uh, seven years. Now, what leagues were you in? Um. I had to um, do the WHL for the first two years. Then I went and uh, got a a whiff for a year of the USHL. So, sorry, eight years. And then I spent five years in the uh, ECHL. Yep. Well, so what was it like to be on the other side? Wearing the stripes. Did you get a new appreciation for it? <laughs> um, well, for the most part, I got respect because guys knew. And then, like, my third or fourth year in the ECHL, they're all tiny college players that are the biggest whiners. And it, it kind of sucked. And I did um, the semifinals my second or first or second year in the ECHL. And I thought I did a great job. And I come to find out my boss, his um, uncle was Andy Van Helleman, who was actually – in the NHL director of officiating said, I will never get a chance because, uh, they don't want ex players. Honest <laughs> to God. Well, you would, you would think you'd want ex players. Would you not? Um, like what's the reason? Right. Well, what's the reasoning? Uh, he hated, um, Kevin McClellan or no, sorry, not McClellan. Kevin, um, McGuire? Yes. And Paul Stewart. Okay. Yeah. Andy hated those guys. And I I have no idea, but my buddy, uh, his mom is actually sisters with Andy Van Helman. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I got told this after I'm busting my balls, uh, 
taken every trip left and right. I got four kids in the house and I'm gone like possibly three weeks, you know, for the month. And I get told this after like three, two, two, three years. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of sucked. Yeah, so at that point, it was kind of like, yeah, time to hang up the blades and move on? Eh. Well, the pride hurt, you know. Yeah. I'm hitting the pride, like, because I actually did a good job, and guys love when I, because I let them play. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, old school. Yep. And then, um... Yeah, the clutching and grabbing when they uh, threw that rule in and you're not allowed to touch anybody through the neutral zone. You can't, like, water ski. You can't be – it sucked. I thought the game sucked. Yeah. And I just shut it down like, uh, mm-mm. That's not my game. Well, there we go. There, there was the uh, the career of Max Mittendorf. We kind of took a ride there, and uh, you know, we got some names and some stories, and it was that was awesome, man. Oh, actually, before you go, there, I totally skipped over this because we got rambling about other things. But in ninety ninety one, you you briefly mentioned to say there you played three games with the Oilers, but um, I know before we got going, you were talking about them. But what was it like to be in a locker room with Mark Messier? Uh Mess was freaking unbelievable. He actually, yeah, I only played three games, but I was there like three weeks because we were on a two-week um, road trip or whatever. But Mess actually took me under my uh, under his wing and said, "Hey, uh, you're coming with me." And I'm like, "This is Mark Messier. He's got four cups already." He goes, no, you're coming over every night because I was at the hotel. And I'm like, okay. And Mess had a sick place, like, obviously. Um, he's driving a Bentley that Gretz bought. And now he owns, like, it was, like, ridiculous. And that was, I was out of my element, but. Mess was unfreaking believable. He, like I said earlier, and possibly not um, on uh, record, but he was—he is the greatest captain in sports. Six cups as a captain. I know guys have won you know, in other sports like cups or whatever, but they're not the captain. Yep. You know what I mean? I do. Like, Mess made everybody in the whole locker room, like, that whole locker room was like, if they, and somebody said that to me last night, like, uh, what was it like in Edmonton? Because I was there in the early 90s and uh, when I played for them, and then uh, I was on the Black Aces, and we lost in Minnesota uh, in the semifinals. I'm like, 
you guys have no idea. Like these, these guys walk in and expect to win. Like their bravado, their whatever you want to call it is like, they're not going to lose. You know what I mean? Yep. It was unfreaking believable. The winning culture there. It yep. was God. Like uh, when I got traded there, um, Teddy, assistant uh, coach says, "Hey, uh, you got to hit that Versa climber." I don't even know if you know what a Versa climber is. And it was the first morning practice I ever been there. And of course, I show up early because that's my dad's mentality. So I, I hit this Versa climber and I'm almost gassed. Practice that hasn't even started. Um, and I get out there and uh, low tide, Ronnie Lowe is like, uh, are, you, are you, you good? I'm like, because he knew what Teddy was doing. I, you know, it was like, yeah, I just want to be here. Like, I'm going to, like, light it up. Like, whatever. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Does that make sense? Yep. yep. Like, if somebody asks you, and you're in the NHL, like, okay, you, you probably don't even know what a Versa Climber is, but... It's a coach, and you're going to do this for 20 minutes. Yep. Okay. Now, they, you know what they say? Sorry. Now, you know what they say? Oh, talk to my agent, probably. I don't feel well. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it is what it is. It's a... A change of times and whatever. Yeah. But I'm super appreciative of my time and whatever league I spent. Yeah, the last couple of years sucked, but I didn't want to get a real job at the time. And it is what it is. I will never, ever, ever be pissed at anybody or anyone for what I did in my career. Shit, man. You made the show. How many people get to say that? There isn't many people walking this earth, and we all tried. We all tried to play, and uh, you made it to the top of the mountain, and uh, and you scored 13 games. You had six points. I mean, uh, you weren't just sitting there. And, uh, you know, you, you made it. So absolutely. You had a fucking hell of a career, man. You should be, you should be very proud of well, what you accomplished. Well, I would, I would have liked to have one bout in the NHL to just like say it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Hey, I got, and like fucking bomber wanted to fight me. I oh, actually, he didn't want to fight me because I played against him uh, one time we were in Fredericton and Bomber was super tough and it was my yeah. rookie year I'm like a buck 80 and Bomber says he says uh, 
you're pretty fucking big. I go, and I'm like a buck 80, eh? I'm just tall. He goes, you want to go? I go, I show him my stick, and I always uh, had cohos, eh? Yeah. fibers, or whatever they changed it to. And I go, because I already knew who he was. I go, bummer. How would you like coho tattooed backwards on your forehead? And he goes, um, no, never mind. <laughs> he goes, I don't, I don't like sticks. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Yep. Like I'm a buck 80 or whatever at that time. You know, now I'm like 215, 220, depends on what day it is. Like, you know, I'm not fighting him because I already know all about him. Yeah. It's not that I don't want to fight, but I'm not going to get my face rearranged. Because at that time, I was not physically uh, able to fight him. You know what I mean? Yep. Does that make sense? Perfect sense. Yep. Well, there we go, man. Uh, well, Max, I, uh, we've talked about this for a long time and I appreciate you taking the time tonight to, uh, sit down and, uh, tell me some stories and, uh, I appreciate it, man. I got to tell you one more bird dog story. Absolutely. So we're in, uh, Quebec's camp and, uh, obviously we're best buddies at the time. And... Bird Dog, the year before, bought a convertible, souped-up Mustang GT by Kenny Brown, who was head of racing for Ford at that time. Okay. And, okay, this is Bird, eh? We're doing 145 miles an hour. I'm not driving. Bird's driving. We literally slide uh, on the highway. We're sliding around the turn, and uh, and there's a car right next to us. And I literally <laughs> swear to God, I okay, we're going fast, but I'm like, take my hand, my left hand, and I kind of like wave to. The person, the child in the back, and they're kind of like like the movie thing. <laughs> it's like bizarre. If you guys went any faster, you'd travel back in time. Yeah. yeah, I love that guy, and you know that. And yep. I love Kimby. I love Killer. Um, well, I was saying before, right, my guest from... Uh, Oh, I haven't put the episode up, but it's coming up right here, right away. Was old screwy Todd St. Louis, and you played with him at the end of your career in Fort, in Fort Worth, and uh, we uh, we talked about you on the episode. And he had uh, he had nothing but good things to say about you and how you uh, you really took him under your wing, and uh, you were a real mentor to him. Yeah, I love screwy. Like uh, I don't know, like when. Um... When I was brought into pro hockey, like, there's always a veteran that takes you under the wing 
or whatever, unless you're, you know, uh, not good character. And Scurry comes to Fort Worth, and that was like the last year I played. And I, I honestly thought he was freaking and a really, yeah, he's funny and he's, you know, 20 or 21 or whatever he was, but he was actually a really, really good person. So I tried to mentor him, not like fighting or anything, but just as a person, like that's what you do on a team. Like that's what I got in Fredericton uh, when I was 20. uh, Robin Bartell used to have me over at his house all the time uh, for dinner because I was single. Yep. So I just felt that I should, because he, like I said, he was a freaking awesome kid. Yeah, he was full of piss and vinegar, whatever. But away from the rink, he was freaking awesome. Small town kid from, you know, Canada. Um, I, I, I felt that I should, you know, Try to mentor him. And I actually was married at the time in Mellow. And that's what I did. Well, like you said, he, uh, well, he said that and he was, he was really positive and, uh, he had nothing but, uh, positives when I mentioned your name. So, uh, you, you, you obviously struck a chord with him and made a difference. Well, right? an impression, you, you made an impression daily. on, you made an impression on him. Yeah. I talk to him almost daily. Yep. He's one of the few guys. Uh, I used to talk to Bird Dog daily. Kimby, uh, probably every other day. Steiny, Trevor Steinberg, daily. Uh, you know, these guys, like, make, made my life, like, better. Yep. Why would I not want to talk to them all the time? Yes, we have families, we have kids, but they made my life easier when I was younger. You know what I mean? Well, absolutely. I mean, my my best friends in my life are from all from playing sports on the different teams that I was on and the different sports I played. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a bond there, right? There's a bond there. Yeah, yep. And it doesn't matter at what level you you. You you do all the practices together and you go through shit together, so it's just it's different. Than, I agree with that. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, and it's just a different bond that you have with those guys than you do other people. All right, well there we go. We concluded the uh, the 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 journey with uh, Mad Max. Uh, Max, I want to th- thank you for taking the time to uh, sit down and talk to me tonight, and uh, I appreciate it, man. Thank you, brother. Always a pleasure talking with you. We've Three years now, we always talk, whatever, social media. I haven't had a podcast, and I just appreciate you uh, putting me on one of your podcasts. That's awesome. Thank you. It was great. All right, man. Well, here, go get your food. I know you've been dying over there. So uh, have a good night, man. Take it easy. Thanks, brother. See ya. See you, man.
And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 